Hi everyone, this lesson is on Takayasu's arteritis. So in this lesson, we're going to talk about what this condition is, some of the risk factors for getting this condition. We're also gonna talk about the signs and symptoms, how it's diagnosed and how it's treated. So Takayasu's arteritis is also known as pulseless disease. And it is a systemic condition involving inflammation of large vessels. Now it can affect some medium sized vessels as well. So it can often be referred to as a medium and large vessel vasculitis. So oftentimes it's going to affect the large vessels of the aortic arch and the branches off of the aortic arch. And that's going to cause a lot of the signs and symptoms and complications of this condition we're going to talk about later on in this lesson. Now, this condition actually is not understood very well. It has an unknown etiology. So the cause of this condition is not entirely understood. Now, the epidemiology of this condition shows that it is a rare condition. It affects one to two in one million people. And it's most common in young women. And it is noted that females outnumber males with this condition approximately 9 to 1. And it affects the age groups roughly around 40 to 50. So that's when it can present itself or could be earlier, but this is often the ages that it can occur in. And this condition is also more prevalent in Asian populations. So oftentimes it's going to be found in a young Asian woman more often than other groups or other individuals. Now let's talk about the pathogenesis of Takayasu's arteritis. It is a granulomatous vasculitis of the aortic arch and large vessels that branch off the arch, as we mentioned before. So this can cause a variety of issues. And oftentimes the vessels that are affected include the renal vessels or the renal arteries. So the arteries going to the kidneys off of the abdominal aorta, the carotid arteries, and the subclavian arteries that supply the arms. So these are going to be very important when we look at the signs and symptoms and complications of this condition. What is noted is that there is a fibrosis of vessels. So the vessels become fibrotic and there is a narrowing or stenosis over time. So as granulomatous changes and fibrosis occurs of those affected vessels, they become narrower and narrower over time and they become stenotic. And that's going to cause a lot of issues we're gonna talk about later on in this lesson. And then in some parts or in some areas of the body in some vessels, there can be an aneurysm that forms as well. So there can be weakening of the wall of that vessel. Now let's talk about the clinical features of Takayasu's arteritis. So one of the big clinical features is absent arterial pulses. This is also known as pulseless disease. So we're going to have issues finding pulses in these individuals. So if you were to check radial pulse, so the pulse that we can find on a patient's wrist, that can be very difficult to actually palpate on a patient with Takayasu's arteritis. Femoral pulses can also be difficult to find and palpate as well. And then carotid pulses can also be affected as well. So if there is somebody that is generally overall well, but they don't have pulses or they're not able to find their pulses in some of these areas, they may have Takayasu's arteritis. Now, along with those absent arterial pulses, there can be constitutional symptoms as well. And these symptoms are often early symptoms of this disease. These include fatigue, fever, night sweats, anorexia, so a decreased appetite. And along with the anorexia, patients can have weight loss and myalgias or muscle aches and pains. So these can occur early on in the disease of Takayasu's arteritis. So a patient may generally not feel very well. They may have some fatigue, some fever, some weight loss, and some just general achiness. So this can be early signs of Takayasu's arteritis. Now, 
We talked about the absent arterial pulses and some of those constitutional symptoms, but along with the absent arterial pulses, we talked about there can be stenosis of affected vessels, and that can lead to particular complications in tachyasus arteritis. One of them is hypertension. So hypertension can occur due to renal artery stenosis. So as the renal arteries become more stenotic, the kidneys sense this and think that the blood pressure is decreasing to the kidneys. So the kidneys will release particular hormones like renin, and that will lead to a cascade where we get more angiotensin II, and this can lead to hypertension, so elevated blood pressure. So this is a reason why we can see high blood pressure in patients with tachyasus arteritis. Neurological symptoms can also occur in these patients. This can be due to carotid artery stenosis. So as their carotid arteries become more stenotic or narrow, blood to the brain becomes affected. So this can lead to some neurological symptoms as well. And then some other complications include limb ischemia and claudication. So we mentioned that the subclavian arteries can also be affected. So if there is narrowing of the subclavian arteries where blood begins to be compromised to the limbs like your arms, this can lead to ischemia or a decreased oxygenation or blood flow to the arms. And along with some of this ischemia, there can be claudication symptoms. So claudication is when if you're using your arms or your legs, you can get cramping or pain due to not getting enough oxygen to those muscles. And due to hypertension and other stenotic changes, patients are also at an increased risk for getting atherosclerosis and heart failure as well. Now, how do clinicians diagnose and treat tachyasus arteritis? So oftentimes, clinical suspicion is needed. So if a patient comes in and they don't have pulses or pulses are difficult to palpate, but they otherwise look okay, this could be a sign that they have tachyasus arteritis. The actual way to diagnose this is by using a CT angiography. So CT angiography is used to diagnose patients with tachyasus arteritis. And what's going to be noted is that there's going to be thickening of vascular walls, thickening and stenotic changes. And clinicians treat this in a multitude of ways. One is they treat the hypertension. So because patients with tachyasus arteritis are at increased risk for having hypertension, hypertension is important to treat. And with symptomatic tachyasus arteritis, especially those with complications that we talked about before, corticosteroids can be used. This can help reduce some of the inflammatory changes in the arteries we talked about before. And then surgical revascularization is going to be important. So this is going to help open up some of those arteries that have become stenotic or that have thickened vascular walls so that can allow blood flow to the affected areas. And surgical revascularization is going to be more important in patients who are refractory to corticosteroid treatment. And then some patients may also undergo bypass surgeries as well. So if you want to learn more about other autoimmune, inflammatory, or rheumatological conditions, please check out my rheumatology playlist. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe for more lessons like this one. Thanks so much for watching, and I hope to see you next time.